Ladies and gents, uh, it's a good one today. We discuss uh, the FedEx Cup uh, finale. DJ running out the winner, the 15 million quid check. Some noticeable performances. Some guys we want uh, to come back and reignite there in a flame, so to speak. Uh, and also our picks for the huge, uh, important tournament that is the Safeway Open. Um, prior to that difficult test, that impossible test uh, that is going to be uh, that the players are going to have to face a wing foot in it next week, uh, guys. If you got any value, again, I'd really appreciate if you could share, uh, comment, review, etc., etc., etc. Help this shit grow. I'm not going to stop it. Um, yeah, and 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 and. Uh, we've got some huge giveaways coming. I've been giving away golf for fun recently. Um, it's about to get stepped up a notch. Watch this space. It's sponsorship time, ladies and gents. We're brought to you once again by Four Links. What exactly is Four Links? I realized my previous ad was a little convoluted, as passionate as it might have been. Um, what is Four Links? Four Links is a multi-course golf membership that uses a precise engineered point system, flexible enough for any lifestyle. Members gain access to a growing list of golf courses exclusive video content, a unique, unique experiences with just one monthly fee, giving you the option and variety to play wherever you want in the Four Links roster that covers Nevada, California, and Arizona. Um, does Four Links require a long-term commitment, you ask? Are, they, are these guys just keeping in for like three years and, you know, and, and still leave your money? No. Each billing cycle, month to month, renews every 30 days. You can cancel or pause your account at any time. They're good guys. They're nice people. Um, and how do Fallings points work exactly? Well, you use them to pay for your tee times. Depending on what plan you select, um, i.e. depending on how much money you pay per month, determines how many points you get, you get a certain amount of points each month. Each plan is a different cost per point. No money is ever exchanged at the golf course, and green and car fees are always included. Perfectly social distancing, weird time, motherfuckers. Um, and I also need to alert you and push in a direction um, of Falling's new fantasy platform, the new way to enjoy the PJ Tour, um, where you play head-to-head matches, you play challenge matches, there's all sorts of matches, you pick your winners. Falling's give you a great breakdown of uh, of each player and their chances for each week and the course and the tournament. And myself uh, and Sam Kesson, the COO of Falling's, uh, discuss it in very much... Uh, very much detail um, on Tour Talk on a weekly basis to give you guys the best chance to earn points to play by playing fantasy golf. Guys, go check them out. Amazing company, fallings.com. Back to the motherfucking podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, people who do, who've just joined now, well, obviously everyone just joined now because I've just started it. What I meant to say was uh, myself and Sam just got into it straight away. Um, Sam goes to watch the Tour Championship over the weekend. Obviously, I want to waste a, a, a single comment, um, and the answer is yes, I did, um, and I loved it. What were your thoughts? Uh, East Lake's a really cool golf course. Yeah, I think uh, it's just it's a pretty piece of property. It's got a fun mix of holes. So it was fun watching those guys compete. I think my only, you know, if I, if I were to have a criticism of it, is I think that we got kind of robbed of what otherwise would have been a really exciting golf tournament save for the pre-tournament adjustment for the FedEx Cup. I think I emerged this year kind of feeling like I wish they didn't do that. What, you you didn't like it, did you know? No, I didn't like it. You know, I I think at one point you looked at the top of that leaderboard and it was DJ, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, and I'm missing one, uh, Shoffley? There was one more guy that was that was up there. Oh yes, I'm I'm sorry, Shopley. And uh, and if you take out like the two, three, and four shots that DJ started ahead of all of those guys, that was pretty much like what the gap between him and them was at that time. Yeah. And so you would have had like going into the back nine, you would have had like those four or five guys like all within a shot or two of each other, and it would have been like an amazing tournament down the stretch. As opposed to like, you know, it was a, a pretty sizable lead that DJ had. Mm. You know, he was just kind of trying to hang in there. I think that the thought process w- from the tour's perspective was that, hey, this will simplify keeping track of who wins the FedEx Cup. And you mm. won't have that like weird situation where 
like you have the winner of the tournament plus the winner of the FedEx Cup. But I think what I found out over this weekend is that I think that's a plus, not a minus, to have kind of two things cooking. Like, it gives you two chances to have some excitement. Like, if the FedEx Cup part of it's exciting, that'll be exciting. If the tournament itself is exciting, that'll be exciting. Mm. Or you could have them both be exciting, as opposed to this where, you know, a guy like DJ, he starts at 10 under if he plays pretty solid. Like, I think he would have lost by four to Shoffley if they didn't do the adjustment. But instead, he won by, like, he either won by three or two. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I completely get your point. It's like, you know, let's, let's just look at 2018 as a, as, a, as a case in point. Yes, slightly unique because Tiger's first uh, win in his, in his comeback era. Um, but what you had there was some, like, really scintillating storylines heating up throughout the course of the week that both included the tournament itself and also the FedEx Cup because you had Tiger, everyone rooting for Tiger to win the Tour Championship. On the other hand, we all thought Justin Rose was going to run away with the FedEx Cup. He puts in a dodgy Sunday performance, and suddenly Tiger's one or two shots away from winning both the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup. It does add like an extra layer of a, an extra layer of depth to to the story, um, if it were. Um, and I, and I, I totally get you. There's just something not right about another player starting the same weekend or the same tournament with 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 an advantage because it just changes the kind of golf you need to play. And yes, it's designed to give you an advantage. Um, but I think they could probably, uh, surely they've got some data guys to, to hammer some numbers and, and work out the point system a little more accurately, uh, if that's what they were trying to avoid. Because I don't think it's an issue having both the FedEx Cup running alongside the Tour Championship as, as two separate uh, stories. Yeah, I agree with that. And like, even though, you know, I, I think for starters that uh, it seems to me like every save for the match play, I suppose, that every stroke play PGA Tour event, the guy who shoots the, the lowest 72-hole total wins. Mm. To have the crown jewel event, the, the Tour Championship, for you to be able to win the Tour Championship without winning it, so to speak. Yeah. You know, to shoot the lowest score over four days. Like, there's something about that that doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. No, you, you're totally right. Like, we, we discussed on the short plays record at Eastlake a little bit last week. Um and again, I think he—is he? I don't think he hasn't shot a single round over par there. His worst score seventy. Um, that he's yeah, like. I think that's right. So it's like it's—it's it's like it kind of got a feel for for Xander Schauffele a little bit as well, or for players where that course is particularly well suited to them. Um, I guess going on to the core side of things, personally, I think Eastlake doesn't get enough recognition for being a for being a really um, for being a really good setup, right? Like it, name another golf course that allows for such low scores yet difficult test of golf in the same in the same week and i think you i think you'd struggle to find a, a course similar um in that respect yeah and i really like how the bermuda oh wow yeah it's you know puts a, a big premium on hitting fairway puts a <laughs> big premium on hitting green let's uh let's talk about the player's struggles in the bermuda shall we rory mcelroy shot <laughs> did you see it that was brutal yeah i mean poor guy uh, you know i feel for rory I, I have kind of mixed feelings about that because, like, on the one hand, that drive was fucking incredible. Huge. Yeah, huge. You know, like, he, he hits a 350-ish, uh, like, through the end of the fairway, and what has he won? Yeah. He's won a downhill lie out of god-awful rough, you know, to where, like, he's got no play at the green. And so my my kind of thought there is, like, if it – you know, if, if I'm the one setting up the golf course – I would either shave the fairway all the way to the edge of the water so that you had to be genuinely concerned about if you went through, like, you know, if you did hit a bomb like Rory hit, that you might have to be concerned it might go too far into the water and then decide whether you wanted to kind of try to hit something like a little bit further back or, or whatnot. You know, that way, and either the water is in play on, on the drive or it's not. I think to have that, like, collar of rough there where you can hit what what certainly by all accounts looks to be a pretty perfect drive, you know, and end up having like no play at the green, even though you're closer than anybody else has been yeah. on a perfect line. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't care for that, but I mean, I get, I get Rory trying to make something happen there. Uh, you know, and that stuff is thick. He, you know, you, you like Shoffley basically, you know, ended whatever thin chances he might've had down to going to the last by tugging his ball into the rough on the left and you got no play. Yeah. So I do think I like that it puts a premium on driving the ball in the fairway. I think not enough golf courses do that. And so it is nice to see East like do it. And even though tw I think 
Dustin won it. Was he at 21? I forget. Did he make yeah, the birdie putt at 18? He was 21. He did, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you know, 21 under par, sure. Uh, but really, like, the lowest 72-hole total shot in the tournament was, I think, 15 under from Shoffley. Hmm. You know, and, like, that's a reasonable, you know, like, par 70 to shoot, you know, 66 basically four times. You know, like, that's that's pretty good golf, but it's not, like, you know, Traveler's Championship where you got to go 61, 63, 64, 62. Hmm. You know, I, I thought that, uh, you know, it, it would give the impression of, of the of the test of golf being what it is as opposed to making it seem like yeah. it was a birdie fest out there, which at times it could be, but, you know, but it's a lot harder golf course than, than a winning score of 20 under, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think what, what I will say as well in the tour's defense, Sam, is if you look at the top six guys in the FedEx Cup who finished in the top six, right? We've got DJ, Justin Thomas, Xander Schofield, John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa. I don't know six players, another six players who we discussed more during the post-COVID um, uh, part of the season than those six. In all fairness, the guys who played the best golf from the resume um, of, of the tour, either with consistency, wins, um, runs of form. Those six guys, maybe bar maybe Bryson, who started off hot and then and then just sort of faded off. Like there's no like it, it, it's got it right. That's a fair assessment of how the season's gone post COVID. Yeah, I agree with that. I I just I don't think if you did it on a points basis, I think that would have been true as far as like uh, the outcome of the FedEx Cup part of it was concerned. Anyway, yeah. Then you would have gotten that plus a tighter golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, it's a tough balance. They're always trying to make it better, you know, and I, and I give them credit for trying, uh, you know, and there have been years like, remember that one year where VJ won the first two FedEx cup events. And then I forget what he did in the third one, but long story short in the last one, literally all he had to do was complete 72 holes. So like the running joke in order to win the FedEx cup. So like the running joke was like, you know, for $15 million, every time VJ would walk down the stairs, it would be like, all right, be careful. Yeah, it was happening to withdraw. So like, you obviously don't want that. Like, you don't want there to be nothing about the FedEx Cup that's yeah. like, you know, that volatile on the last day. You know, and I think there's a, there was a concern that they had, that, like the Steve Sands working the whiteboard every minute, uh, you know, might have been like kind of a sideshow. And I could see how they could feel that way. But I also, I don't know, I, I didn't mind, I, I found that to be, like, additive to the experience, not a detract, you know, from it at all. <laughs> yeah, maybe they weren't thinking about the viewer there, maybe thinking from, from an operational perspective, like, what are we going to tell our pundits to talk about? Are they going to talk about all the different scenarios that could occur, because that's a lot? Are they going to talk about the, 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 the tournament itself? He's going to win the Tour Championship? Or are they going to keep relating it back to the FedEx Cup? I think it takes issues away from, I guess, the coverage. I think it obviously makes the, the coverage uh, a lot more simple, right? It's more attractive for a guy who doesn't really watch much golf to flick it on and keep it on if there's a, if there's a more of a, a, a simple outcome um, to, be, to be had. So, I, I, so, so maybe there's that to it. Um, but look, all, all in all, I absolutely loved it. I think a good change they did make um, was reducing the amount of playoff events, right? We used to go to 100 and then to 70. Now we just go straight to 70. Um, I think that's a positive. But look, I think overall, given the circumstances, it was a heck of an end to a really quite an exciting season with some um, noticeable winners and some really good competition. Yeah, and a deserving winner of the FedEx Cup too. Oh I mean, God! If yeah. you look at the guy, if you look at the guy who played the best golf in those three events, it's DJ by a mile. It's not even close, you know. <laughs> and just to think, you go back to uh, go back to August where he shoots eighty eighty. No, sorry, go back to July when he shot eighty eighty the Memorial. <laughs> We're slagging him off, um, and then back he comes and he's played some amazing golf. Having said that, after it's just to guess to talk about the tournament in some in some more depth and how it went. It may look like a runaway victory, but standing on the ninth tee uh, after making bogey-bogey with Justin Thomas looking really hot, um, Xander Schofield playing really well, I was like, this has got Chambers Bay, US Open 2010 written all over it. Um, it's, I, I think he showed a level of maturity that we haven't really seen from DJ. He, he, he had, he, he, I think it was on the 10th maybe, he had like a 22-footer for a par that he rattled in. Um, there's just certain puts he made and certain shots he came up with at certain times that was just really, really impressive. And although he, you know, he made those mistakes and went bogey bogey, which you don't do when you're leading a golf tournament, um, 
he came back, had some real pressure par puts over the next four or five holes and, and made them. Yeah, and I think the commentators were talking about this during the telecast, and I agree with them. you got to give a lot of credit to the resiliency of Dustin Johnson, mm-hmm. who has had some spectacular failures, meltdowns, uh, you know, per- personal life issues, uh, you know, a wide range. I mean, you look at rules incidents, like, you know, he had the, the, the rules thing at Whistling Straits. He had the rules thing at uh, Oakmont when he ends up going on to win anyway. Like there's, there's a really, to his credit, there's, you know, and, and a lot of people make fun of, of this aspect of DJ's personality. And there's plenty of room to do that. But, uh, you know, he, he's got like a certain kind of, uh, I don't know if indifference is the right word, but it just seems like very difficult to kind of like put him off, you know, mm. that, that, he's been able to kind of take a lot of failures and just like put them in the rear view and move on, you know, in a way that you don't know that like, I mean, there are some guys like Arnold Palmer will say it himself, that like after he blew the seven shot lead on the back nine of Billy Casper in 66, he was never the same player again. Like he, he never, whatever that, that level of confidence he had in himself that he could perform on Sundays. He said he never felt that way about himself again after that. You know, and there are some, and, and that's a guy like Arnold Palmer who was as swashbuckling as, as the rest of them, you know, and, and, and as confident a guy as you can imagine and whatever else that, you know, even he's not like immune to that kind of a thing. Mm. And so I think for a guy like DJ to have had the spectacular failures that he's had and to have, you know, I mean, like there was the, there was the six months he took off that most people thought was a drug suspension, uh, you know. The the 2010 U.S. Open was embarrassing. You know that was like uh, he rinsed the five like a, a three shot lead in like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know Oakmont he could have easily at Oakmont like I don't know I, I would have been pissed off that entire back nine at Oakmont where I would have been like look just tell me just decide like is are you giving me the penalty or not like let's not do let's wait until the end it would have drove me crazy all day like. It's a huge part of the strategy of golf, knowing where you are in the tournament. Like if you need birdies, if you don't, especially in a U.S. Open, when getting like aggressive can have such penalties, you know, and, and it still didn't seem to bug him. And, you know, he just kind of goes on doing his thing and, and lets the chips fall where they may. And I give him a lot of credit for having that sort of like level of, uh, you know, insouciance, I suppose. Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely got battle scars. Um, and I think the, the commentator said it perfectly when they said, Dustin Johnson earned earned that. Um, I think there's no bigger deserve of success at this point in his career. And I think one one difference I, I definitely have noticed, um, even since we were slagging him off, Sam, recently, there's a certain level of, of new intensity, I feel, to, to Dustin's game. Um, he's still cool, calm, collected, Dustin Johnson, but... There's a few more fist pumps and a few and a bit more self-talk than we're than we've ever been used to seeing, um, and I think that's been really really good to see. And perhaps that's like the trigger, the extra level of aggression that is needed to to win in these situations. I'm not sure. I I, um, I know he's always been an aggressive golfer, but he seems to have I don't know uh, found something else within um, to to see him through. Would, would you not agree? Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. And I, mm. and I, this kind of goes back to what we talked about last week, but I do think that he's gotten, gotten to, he's older than I thought he was. We, mm. you know, I remember you reminded me of that last week. 36. Yeah. I think he's, yeah. Like I thought he was younger than that. And so I think he's getting to a point in his life and his career, you know, like he's obviously got all the money he's ever going to need. Uh, like his, his like place in golf is pretty well established. Like he could, you know, he's already won his major. So like, if he wasn't hungry, like he would have every excuse in the world to not be that way. Yeah. You know? And so I think for him, you know, there's, I suspect internally there's been kind of a, uh, you know, it's kind of like the way presidents get when they get late in the second term, you start thinking about legacy and how are people going to remember me and and how am I going to remember myself? And am I, am I, when I hang them up, going to feel like I did everything I could with what I had, mm. you know, and I, and I suspect that DJ would look back even now, even with the FedEx cup, I still think if you ask DJ for as good a golfer as you are, have you won as much as you should? If he was, if he, if he didn't think that the answer was on TV, 
and and it wasn't going to be broadcast to anyone else, I think he would say that I should I should for as good as I am, I should be winning more golf tournaments. Or, I should be winning more majors and yeah. bigger events. Yeah, I I think that's the key right there. Like he's had multiple like multiple win seasons. He's think he's won twenty two. Uh, PJ uh, PJ titles now. Um, so at 36, you know, you, you, let's say his winning career lasts until he's 50. Let's say he gets another. T- uh, let's say he gets another 12 or something. Um, you know, 35 to 40 like PJ Tour wins is an accomplished career for his standard of golfer. It's just how many majors I think he he ends up amassing, especially given the positions he's been in in majors. Um, where he's seemingly given it away. One major is still a hell of a career in whatever wins he ends up on. If, if his career stopped now at a Hall of Fame career, right? Like he's um he smashed it, but he could he 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 really could be a fifty PJ tour win, five major kind of guy still. Um and, and maybe he's yeah, just reco- maybe he's just recognized that he's still got the ability, the athletic ability, uh, the dexterity, the swing, the power. Um to really give it a go over the next sort of uh, six to 12 years. I mean, who, who knows? Like, DJ is like the generation afterwards. And that generation, you know, sort of were the first to have health and fitness sort of uh, thrown at them from the start of their careers. So I think we might see, like, a, a longevity uh, change in this next wave. Like, what's to say DJ is not, not still doing the same things at, like, 54? Phil Mickelson's hitting the ball as, as, you know, as far as he ever has done at, at 50 years old. Mike Tyson is getting back in the ring uh, in November to fight Roy, sure. Roy Jones. Sure Tyson's the best example. Well, the, yeah. no, the, 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 my, my point being, like 30 years ago, you, you ask a retired heavyweight to get back into the ring. They just tell you to go away because the body can't handle it. Now we have the technology uh, and know-how um, of, of health and fitness and, and, and sports science to uh, increase the... Um, I guess the, the the longevity of 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 players' careers in, in prevention of injuries. Um, so, like, I, yeah, I, I think DJ's got longer at it than we I think. Would, yeah, and especially with golfers, like I agree with Phil Mickelson's a great example of this. Like, you know, there's absolutely like, length is not why Phil is struggling to compete on the PGA Tour. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that's definitely not it. He's more than long enough. He's not like aging out really. Yeah, you know, like. I, I don't think like his his struggles in regular tour events have have anything really to do with with like no. his physical capacity, you know. And so I agree that if he stays interested in it, I see no reason why Dustin Johnson couldn't have another like fifteen years, you yeah, know, into yeah, his fifties well, yeah. if he if he stays into it. You know, I I think that uh, who I wonder what the answer to this question is. But who has the the highest ratio of PGA Tour wins to major championships? I mean, he's got to be knocking on that door. Ah, okay. But well, has there been any? Well, well, what's Phil? Fifty-one and five. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that's. So, I mean, DJ would have him there because DJ's got like twenty something. Yeah. How many total PGA Tour wins? I think, I think twenty-two. I don't know. If, I don't know if this week was classed as a PGA Tour win. Was it? Yes, I got it was. Too. I think that's twenty-two yeah. then, because I know I know the FedEx Cup. The reason why I ask is I was looking at player earnings today, um, and the FedEx Cup bonuses doesn't uh, get included in the in the earnings. Um, so right. I, so I, I wasn't sure what the what the status was there. But you try and think. I mean, how how many times has Sergio Sergio actually Lee Westwood's won? I think forty-five times uh, across the globe and hasn't a master major. Although I'm not sure how many PJ Tour wins he has specifically. Um, Sergio, what? How many? How many uh, wins on tours he got? And he's got one, one major. I mean, if he's got, if he's got fifteen, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, yeah, let's have, let's have a look. Actually, Sergio Garcia, PGA Tour wins. I'd be surprised if he had more than like eleven. I kind of feel like he's a master. Yeah, I agree with that. I kind of feel like he's a master on the uh, on the European tour. Um, I agree with that too. Martin Keimer, where's Martin Keimer on these stats? Ah, uh, he's got two. Two majors, though, and not a lot of P- not a ton of PGA Tour wins. He's got some noticeable mean, ones, right? The players. Yeah, I mean, if you include the European Tour, it gets a little muddled because of guys like Lee Westwood and like Colin Montgomery. Mm. Like Colin Montgomery has no PGA Tour wins, zero. Yeah, which is which is wild in its own, let alone a major. But I mean, that's wild in its own right. Mm. Yeah, Sergio's got ten, by the way. Uh, I flipped that up. Sergio's got ten yeah. in, in a major. So you, you're probably right. D- DJ probably is. Um, probably has got the He's highest. He's got to be competing ratio. for the highest ratio, you know. And I think, like, you know, it's one of those like blessing and a curse kind of a things, you know. Like, 
that, yeah, it, it, to be able to win that often on the PGA tour says something about you, you know, like you're obviously very, very good, but I do think that like, you know, it, 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 I assume it's the same way across the pond, but over here, like we really remember players for what they do when the stakes are the highest. Yeah. That's how you get like Jordan, like the reason why LeBron does not get the, the recognition as the best player of all time, like the way Jordan does is that Jordan, when it mattered most was at his best tiger, when it mattered most was at his best, like Federer, when it mattered most at his best, you know? And I think like when it comes to the, the Mount Rushmore types of golfers of their generation, that it's it's a, a knock in a lot of ways. I mean, like it's a it's a it's a backhanded compliment, but to be the guy that wins the most without winning the biggest, you know, I mm. I, I think that's probably not something that DJ wants to go down being. And so I think that as he gets older, his focus will shift from, you know, like just kind of like playing the best golf I can, whatever week it happens to be to like, I want to be ready for the major championships, for the FedEx cup, for the Ryder cup, for the things that people are going to remember, hmm. you know, like at the end of the day, I can win another 30 travelers championships. And while it might be nice to have the money or whatever, like, it's not really going to change my like legacy as a golfer. In fact, like, you know, if he won another 20 PGA tour events and didn't win another major, like, I, I think people would look at that as, like, kind of a weird, you know, like, this guy won 40 times, but he only bagged one U.S. Open, and that's it. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays out, because it could go the other way, Sam. He's, he's still at a point where he could go to top three golfers of all time conversation. He could. Like, he, he, he could enter that, 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 he could enter the top five of the big names in golf. He, he has the start in his career to do that. It's just how many majors does he does he amass over the next fifteen years, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Um, I, I'm glad DJ sort of uh, you know put his, put his foot in the ground a little bit and said, you know, I'm I'm not gone. I'm playing as good as I've ever played, and I'm I'm sort of here to stay and compete. Um, and the next person I'd like to do that is Jordan Spieth. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's just like I, I feel it's going to come, but there's just way more uncertainty with Jordan because he did it. He did it at the top for nowhere near as long as what DJ had done prior, right? There's almost like a bit of confidence I had in DJ because I'd seen him do it for the last 15 years at the highest level. Jordan Spieth had a fast start, but it's almost like he's pulled up with a hamstring injury. We don't know if he's going to get his pace back. Um, so, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I mean, and, and unfortunately, when it comes to Spieth, uh, he fits the archetype of the guy who doesn't get it back to me. I know. That, like, that like you know, I, I think when you're a bomber, uh, that at at some point like you're driving the ball so far down there and having such short clubs in that even if your game is like rusty, like through the bag, that you'll have weeks where like you hit enough fairways and you're close enough to the greens and that's enough of an advantage over most of the field that you'll start to to perform well and build confidence. You know, for a guy like Jordan, he doesn't hit the ball far enough. His game was really reliant on making a ton of putts. You know, and I just think that's a really hard thing to sustain. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think he, 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 had, he had very good quality with the wedges, which is obviously extremely, extremely important. And I think that's one thing that he might not have lost. Uh, I've still seen some crafty shots over the last, um, over the last few months. But, but you're right, it's not like he had... It's not like he had like a really stable like advantage to his game. The put like anyone's put like I, I I don't really know many golfers in history who have maintained an elite level of putting throughout the whole career. That the eyesight goes, lose the feels, they get an injury, etc. Like, etc. Et like it, it, it's hard. It's much harder for you to sustain an elite level of putting than it is to hit bombs for for a long period of time, right? Um, you know, and it's also gonna make your struggles appear worse yeah because like when you were putting well it was you know you might mask how poorly you were hitting the ball and if the putter starts to go then all of a sudden what do you have left yeah it puts know? way more pressure and on the rest of the game a, yeah you know and so i think uh 
you know, as much as much as I'm pulling for Jordan Spieth, it's it seems like a long road back from where he is right now to where we remember him being, which is unfortunate. And I also think too that what do you make of Justin Thomas's performance this week? Um, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I've, I've really admired his aggression. He made some bogeys at the wrong time on the Sunday, but like. You can tell in his intensity he has another gear, and he and he put he put he put his car into another gear on Sunday, and he's got that extra level. And I really respect that extra level. Uh, I love his intensity, his level of competition, speed sustained. For he's been in the mix now for for months on end, right? He's been he's his name's been there and thereabouts. Um, and it, like we've discussed it before, right? He, he started far back. He had a chase at East Lake, and that can punish you uh, sometimes, especially. Especially if you get it wrong off the tee, like you did on, like you did on sixteen. But um, he, he made, I think, he made a great run at it. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. I, I always end up feeling like I want more out of Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, it's always like he has these great runs to get himself into the hunt, and then kind of like drifts back, you know, and, and like even you know, even in the major and in the major championships. I have not seen – I mean, if you throw out the, the PGA that he won and you say, is he, a, is he a guy that is consistently there at the majors? I don't really feel like he has been. No, no. I can't, yeah. I can't think of very many other majors besides the one he won where he was really a huge factor. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think if you look at his major performance, I think that's a fair point. But given his – I think what I make of his performance on the weekend, I think, I think good. Um, but again, with Justin Thomas, though, Sam, it could be said that he's building momentum better than the likes of, of, of say, Spieth, who started out the blocks very quick. Justin Thomas has been more of a builder. He's been on tour now seven years. Um, he's continually progressed into a better golfer. I feel, I feel like he's really uh, been on a nice, steady curve of improvement throughout his time. If, I don't remember his first few years, Sam, but the guy was shocking with the wedge in his hand. He wasn't very good. He, he's really added that to his, um, added that to his game. Um, and I like his, the trajectory he's on. He stayed very humble. His dad's still his coach, still warms him up. He's become sort of Tiger's like, you know, he's, he's, he's sort of uh, taken liking to Tiger. Tiger sort of had a gotman under his wing. He's in that Florida area. He seems like he's got a very stable personal life and he's very focused on golf. Um, I kind of like where he's at and where he's, where, where, where he's heading. Where I, he, I you know? agree with where he's heading. I definitely agree with that. I think, I think. I kind of see him as a guy who's in a, in a mode where he's like trying to uh, look at himself as like one of the best in the world. And I should be competing to win most of the time. Yeah. You know, and his expectations of himself are very high and I respect that a lot. And I think that there's, I think sometimes though, uh, like when the chips are down, that it seems like those expectations start weighing a little heavy on him. Like, you know, he's all fun and games, like making birdies, getting himself back into the mix. And now when it's time to like win the golf tournament, you know, you start seeing like things that are uncharacteristic of him. You don't necessarily see his best in those moments, or at least not all the time. And that's a a wonderfully human quality of his, you know, and and he owns the mistakes when he makes them, you know, and I think, you know, I, I see, I see a guy heaping a lot of pressure on himself, you know, and that there are times at which, the weight of that pressure he's putting on himself seems to carry, seems to hang on his head a little heavy. Yeah. Uh, but I do agree with you as far as like the trajectory of his career and like the, the five or 10 year outlook for Justin Thomas. I think it's really good. I'm just curious kind of to see uh, like, can he be the guy that he thinks he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't think we're really going to see, that come out unless we see a real duel at a major championship. Like I'm, I'm hungry for a duel, so I'm like, I, I look. I know it's a lot to ask for every every year, uh, or even every major or whatever. But um, you know, uh, the, the 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 majors we remember really are the ones where we remember guys going down the stretch, like Phil and Henrik did, for example, right? And I I think Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy are in a similar boat where they almost need a, a you know a, a, you know a duel with a top five in the world kind of guy. Uh, and come out on top to really solidify in their mind who they th- who who they know they can be, but not quite yet have proved. Rory McIlroy is a bit different. He's achieved ridiculous levels, but he, it's almost like he's in a place where he hasn't done it for four or five years. Well, six years actually he hasn't done it in a major for six years. So he's definitely in the category that I think will 
think to himself, yes, Creed's been great, but there's still another, there's the devil still on his shoulder, right, saying uh, you've not continued on the trajectory that you're on. Um, come on. So I, I kind of feel like, you know, players like that need like a duel in a major championship, Sam, to like, to really, I guess, uh, substantiate uh, what they think of themselves and what they dream for themselves as well. Yeah, you know, and I think Rory, uh, I I think Rory had that early on and carried that for a while, and it, and it's part of how he he ripped off so many in such a small window. And I think as time has gone on, Rory's like recognition of that player in himself has kind of faded a little bit, and that I think he had he struggles with self doubt probably more now than he did eight years ago or six years ago, you know, like back when he was like seemingly at the height of his powers, mm. you know, even, even when, even when he was still having times where there were, you know, spectacular failures from Rory, like the mat, that one masters was brutal. And, you know, like, but even through those times, you still felt like he had, he had played well enough and won enough majors that you really felt like he carried a confidence that I'm not sure I see in him quite as much now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and so I, I wonder if, if it'll take something like, you know, a, 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 some kind of win, you know, against a, a worthy opponent or at a worthy golf course, you know, something like that to really, uh, like, solidify his kind of, like, mindset. Yeah, because he, he – like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, like, to, to feel like – to feel like he is uh, making good on what he knows he can do. Yeah, like I, I think golf's unique in that respect as well because it's almost like you get three different careers in your career, right? And unless you sustain a certain level throughout throughout each each section, you're gonna you're gonna get considered a different player at different times, more so than more so than you know short lifespan sports where you know they appreciate you've got like a you know a, a, sort of a, a three to six year peak window and you just got to maintain that peak and you're judged on on your peak years there. Uh, Whereas in, in golf, right, you've, Rory could go winless for the next 10 years and then suddenly our outlook on Rory becomes great at the start of his career, faded off in the middle and maybe faded off to, to, towards the end as well, right? So I think, um, I think sustaining it at the highest level is really the mark of a legendary golf player. And I think that's, what, that's the beauty of what Tiger Woods has done. He's in his, is he in his uh, third decade on tour? Yeah, he's in his third decade. Um, He's won, I think, he's won every decade since the 90s. He's won consistently throughout his career. Um, and that's what makes him, that's what makes him special. Um, and I think Rory needs to, re, he needs to relight the fire and have, a, and have a really good 30s. Because it's golf games there, right? You, we, we, we've, we've seen it inconsistently since, the, since, uh, since post-COVID. But, you know, for the last two years, he's really played some exceptional golf at a really high, consistent standard. We just haven't seen him do that, you know, when it counts in the majors. He's he's got he's the thing that really pissed me off about about Rory is he's got like the he's got the championship quality, stardom, the charisma, the flair, the aggression. Like he's he's hauled out on from the fairway on the fourth round of a of a tour championship. He's he's done some he's done some absolutely mad mad things in his career. Um, it's like he's got it. He know if out of anyone on tour, I think he's the most evident for me where I look at someone as a golf and think you have got it um but he just hasn't done it at the highest at the highest level for for far too long now it's 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 not about PJ Tour wins at the minute for Rory it's, it's about it's about can he compete in uh compete the majors again I, I would I would agree with the premise there I'll, I'll add to that and say for me, I would include regular PGA Tour events as being important because Rory doesn't finish enough of those out. Okay, Too many yeah. of those are top fives. You know, yeah. like I think part of, of getting himself into major championship, you know, getting himself into the mix in majors is like, hey, when he's under the gun in regular tour events, like I saw a quote from Rory. I wish I, I should have I saved it and to read it exactly today. But he said something along the lines of, that he plays his best golf, like when he's kind of like, I think he was talking about shooting 64 in round one and that he had just had this first child and, you know, like his head was kind of somewhere else and he didn't really have like high expectations. And he went out and shot 64 and he said, and I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure he didn't mean for it to be read this way, but he said something along the lines of like, that's when I play my best golf when I'm not putting so much pressure on myself, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought to myself, like, ooh, that's not a compliment. 
Like mm. that's, that's not a, like, like if, if there's an inverse relationship between how bad you want it and how well you perform, that's that there's something amiss about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I don't think tiger would tell you like tiger would tell you the more I want it, the better I get. Jordan would tell you the more I want it, the better I get, you know? And, and I think most of the, the highest level guys, the, 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 you know, the Hogan's, the Jack's, the, you know, that, that desire is a, uh, like galvanizing force, not a depressing one. Mm. And I think with Rory, like, you know, you saw it, you saw it at, uh, you know, at Port Rush too. Like, well, you imploded. There, like it's the only, oh, yeah. You know, like I, I think there's a certain level of with, you know, I, th- I think Rory's being very honest about himself. And in a way that shows you, uh, you know, an aspect of Rory that like, you know, he fights internally when he really, when he really is motivated to get the most out of himself in those situations, you know, and I don't know that that speaks very highly for, you know, his kind of competitive mindset going forward that, you know, I, I, I read that and I went, Ooh, that's, that would be the last thing I would want to hear from a guy. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree. The, the, I think the fact is he's got a question mark over him at the minute, a firm one, about the quality of golf he can sustain, the quality of, like, well, the level of golf he can sustain over the next 10 years. And he, he's got a, he's kind of got a point to prove again. Um, at the same time, that's going to make for amazing viewing because I think a lot of players are in his category. You've got John Rom, you've got John Rom sort of struggling his way to the top, showing some amazing form at the crucial points. He's, he's on a nice trajectory. Sander Schofle, I've loved his steady his steady sort of curve improvements, Justin Thomas in that boat. Um, you've got Brooks who, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's been injured, but you, he still shows up at every bloody major championship. You've got Tiger sort of fighting for his legacy. I think golf's in a fucking amazing, amazing spot. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't wait for this season. I'm going to have to start thinking about it as this season, said the wraparound, because it's going to be... Um, it's going to be busy with the uh, with some of the Asian Tour events getting moved to to the West Coast um, as warm up events, I guess for for the Masters. But um, on I guess a more more sedate note, uh, we have the Safeway Open to uh, to approach before the big one at Wingfoot next week. Yeah, it's uh, you know obviously not exactly the field that uh, everybody would hope for. I think there's a lot of obvious reasons for that. You know, the U S open is next week. So not a lot of, you know, and this is hardly a golf course that's going to be like excellent preparation for Wingfoot. So you really have to be one of those people that like insists on playing your way into a major. Yeah. It'll be fun. Want to play. It'll be fun. It's a fun field. It's a fun field. I think. Yeah. There's a, well, there's a lot of, because of how weak the field is, there's a lot of room for the uh, the nostalgia set that yeah. I enjoy so much. Yeah, let, 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 let take us away. Go, let's go Group A. All right, Group A. This is, I mean, whew, this has got to be the weakest Group A in it, all year. <laughs> Sergio Garcia, Brant Snedeker, Shane Lowry, Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, Jim Furyk. You know it's a slow week when Group A <laughs> has two guys in the in their fifties. <laughs> Phil Mickelson, no shit. I looked on on one of the like sportsbook websites. Phil Mickelson's like one of the three favorites in this tournament. I think he's like the I think he has the second best odds or third best odds out of anybody in the field. Because uh, he played unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he played unbelievably well in that Champions Tour event. You know, it's it's not as though um, you know it's not as though this field is loaded. Yeah, you know. So I mean, true. as far as like, uh, you know, out of this group, I think I'm gonna throw caution to the wind and go with Phil. It's it's a it's a great shout. Um, he's definitely not gonna be out of his depth in this field, that's for sure. Um, he's got a bit of form. He seems to be having a lot of fun with his game. Um, and he's preparing for his favorite for his well, I guess, most important event in the in the U.S. Open next week. So he'll be he'll be keen to I guess put in a good performance definitely. Um. I look at this group. I I'm going to go with who I want to do well over who I 
think will do well because it seems to me that it's going to be uh, quite. It a, sounds like a I've, man who's about to pick Jordan Speed. <laughs> well, if, 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 in all fairness, right, it's a volatile group. Any one of these players on this list could top five it. Any of them could miss the cut, and that's strange Agreed. for Group A. Usually, that's a Group B or Group F conversation. Um, yeah. And look, look at this group. I'm like, I'd love either Speed or Furyk to win it. I don't want Phil to win this week because that will almost rule them out of next week if we off stats and how likely it is to win back-to-back events and I'd love them to have a US Open um, you know so I, I, I was speaking speaking for you I'm gonna go I'm gonna go speak this could be a nice confidence boost for for Jordan the top top guys in the world aren't playing in it um, that's got to give you a little bit of confidence to know that if you get up at the leaderboard um, early doors and you, you you're within three or four shots on Sunday it's it's well in your reach um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Jordan it could be a nice bounce back he hasn't been he hasn't been awful since Post, you know, since the since the lockdown, he's shown some good golf in spells. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe I will few say this: that it it is encouraging about Jordan Speed that the the high gear seems to be coming back in flashes. That it seems like the the like his best self is popping up more than it has been during most of this slump. It's obviously not staying long enough for him to win, mm-hmm. but you know. I think that will come like, I don't, I mean, you tell me if you agree or not, but like when you, when you feel like uh, you're on the cusp of playing well, don't you kind of measure that based on like, how good is my good? Yeah. Yeah. What levels have I reached? Yeah. Right. Like if, if my best in a given day disappoints me, you know, and I'm like, God, you know, you look at the best shots I hit and I really like, I didn't even like those. They just worked out. You know, like you feel like you don't, no matter what the results are, you don't feel like you're close. But like when the, when the quality at the highest end is there, you feel like, okay, I know what I, you know, I'm able to do what I need to do. I'm just not able to do it often enough. So how do I find a way to make that more consistent as opposed to the search for why is my highest gear not there? Where is that? You know? And so I think, I think speed is getting closer, you know, and, and I think it'll be, it will be very big for him if sooner rather than later he can find his way into contention and you know never mind win but just like be there for four days. Yeah, just be in the discussion. Um, I, I I couldn't agree more. He's shown a flash of brilliance. Uh, the huge question mark on him, but I'm I'm rooting for him, so I'm I'm going Jordan Spieth. Um, Group B. Group B is Siwoo Kim, Aniraban Lahiri. T. Pan, Emiliano Grillo, Rafa Cabrera Bayo, Brandon Grace. A lot of international flavor in this group. Uh, I mean, if you were to ask me who the best player of the six is, I would probably say Brandon Grace. But when I was looking at the favorites for this week, I was shocked at how high Siwoo Kim is. And so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna follow the lead of Vegas maybe, and I'm gonna get me a see who can. Fair, fair play. I'm um I'm gonna go against that. I'm going for Brandon Grace. He um he he popped up at the top of tops of leaderboards during um during the last few months. Um, he's a very very solid golfer. Like um he's got plenty of wins internationally in South Africa, more specifically on the European tour. He's a good quality golfer that's been overlooked, I think, um in the U.S. so far. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna back Brandon Grace. Um, I guess I, th- I think his best is the best in that group. Um, bar I agree with ma- that. Bar maybe Rafa. I've seen some really brilliant rounds of golf from Rafa on the European tour, but Brandon Grace seems to have sustained the highest level of standard in that group. Um, so I'm gonna go Brandon Grace. Yeah, it's not a bad choice. I was kind of between those two. Siwoo Kim played okay at the Northern Trust. He finished. I think he finished in the top 15 at the PGA. Let me see here. Yeah, he finished 13th at the PGA and then finished third at the Wyndham the following week. So he's kind of shown like a little bit of form, like just enough that that in a group where, you know, I haven't followed like most of these guys that closely recently. Mm. I think uh, I think that that little bit of form is just enough for me. Well, group if that, C, yeah, if that was a stab in the in the dark, uh, let's let's take on Group C. <laughs> Keegan Bradley, Lucas Glover, Charlie Hoffman, Pat Perez, Kevin Streelman, Jason Duffner. Streelman has played some pretty decent golf post-COVID. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, been good. I think he's my pick. Duffner, I just can't – he can't putt, and I just can't pick a guy that can't putt. Uh, 
Charlie Hoffman hasn't done anything. Lucas Glover had like a pretty good run early on in the post COVID part of the season, but kind of trailed off. Haven't seen anything of note from Keegan Bradley. I think I'm going with Kevin Streelman. Yeah, I, I think it's a great shout. But one thing I will say is Charlie Hoffman pops up once a year uh, when he least expects it and wins. Or and it's usually in California. Content. So, like, uh, I'm, I'm, it is. So I'm, where, where, where's the Safeway Open getting played? Which golf course? Uh, Silverado mm-hmm. Resort up in Northern California, like kind of Napa-ish. Napa-ish area. Yeah, so I... I can't help but think Charlie Hoffman might pop up this week. It's it's a weak enough crowd for him to do it. He, he has got a very good good. Um, and looking at the rest of the people in the group, I don't get much inspiration, to be honest. Um, Duffner can't put for shit. I think Streelman's been the most consistent. I think that's a great pick. Pat Perez, I can't remember the last time I hit, saw him hit a golf shot, to be honest. Um, Glover had some early form. And Bradley's been, been a bit transient, a bit non-existent, a bit, yeah, just... Run of the mill. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Charlie Hoffman for, for his uh, for his historic pop ups and wins out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's like the only two places you ever want to pick Hoffman are in California or at Augusta. Yeah. And if it's at Augusta, it better be the first two days. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you better be leading with Fred Couples and Mark Leishman. <laughs> exactly right. Group D is the. Uh, I love this I group so this- much. I would call this the Witness Protection Program Group. 2009. All si- <laughs> yeah, all six of these guys, if they had disappeared into Witness Protection over the last 10 years, <laughs> that would be a pretty good explanation because other than that, they've, they've totally disappeared off the face of the earth. Sean O'Hare, anyone remember that name? I remember that guy. 2009, I think, his his time oh, on yeah. uh, I, th- I think was his was his time to shine. He was the next big thing. Who'd, who did he have on the bag? He had someone big on the bag, I think. He had some noticeable on the bag. Who is Sean O'Hare's caddy? Oh, I think I think um, I think uh, Paul Tesori was on Sean O'Hare's back. Uh, I think that could be right. Sean O'Hare, Camilo Vajegas, Ricky Barnes, Luke Donald, Hunter Mahan, Aaron Badley. It is right, by the way. Just just check those facts. Paul, Paul Tesori, obviously formerly of VJ Singh, now of Webb Simpson, was with Sean O'Hare for a little bit. Uh, boy, if you start your caddying career spending a lot of time on VJ's bag, pretty much everyone else is going to seem like such a Christmas holiday, <laughs> <laughs> huh? Um, I mean, I, just this, I don't know how, how to pick. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a hilarious probably, group. It's a good fun. It's yeah, a good fun there's group. probably three or four miscuts minimum in this group here. <laughs> Didn't Vajegas just lose his daughter to he cancer? Did. Something horribly sad? He, he did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just have as as much as I as as much as I would love to see him have a good week because that, that would be an amazing story, you know. Like he already was struggling with his golf game. To add that on top of it, I think is a lot, a lot to ask out of a guy. I think I'm gonna go with Luke Donald. Like he's the only guy who's like gotten into tournaments like anytime <laughs> recent. Like I I don't think I've seen any like Ricky Barnes maybe a little bit. But, like, no one else has played, so I don't even know, like, what form to go off of. So, I think – and it's not a terribly long golf. Like, remember Rocco Meek late yeah. in his career? Yeah. For whatever reason, this golf course doesn't seem like uh, if you don't have length, it's a huge problem. So, if Rocco can win there, I don't see why Luke Donald can't beat the, these other five used-to-be's. Yeah, like I, I think as well. If you if you're playing this event, you Luke Donald, you're quite clearly your game's obviously in a decent shape at home because, like, I, I'm surprised. That, like, I, I kind of just written him off. I like, I never know when he's going to pop up and play. I don't know what his ambitions are to play, to go to California or the California the week before the U.S. Open in a pretty average field when you haven't played for a few weeks. I think tells you something about where his mind's at. Um, and I did see a good clip, a good highlight from the Tour Championship 2010. Uh, the Furyk one of of Donald chipping in there, and I, I just forgot how how masterful his short game was. Um, and I don't think I don't think that's something that you that Luke Donald will lose. I, I think he's he's shown he's shown it in glimpses in the in recent in the last sort of year anyway when I've watched him play. But he's still got a beautiful touch. He's just so ridiculously short off the tee. Um, his wedges and putting a you know usually right on point. Um, I think Ricky. I think Luke Donald's a good shout. Ricky Pons. I just think of Tiger Woods' uh, PS2 uh, video game, where he's got that, where, yeah. he's got the, where he's got distinct hat on. That it's different than everyone else. Sean O'Hare. Again, I'm like, well, he's back, is he? Um, Vil, 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 Vil Jagas, I'm like rooting for him because of his daughter. But I agree. 
can't remember the last time he played a really high standard of golf. As far as I'm aware, he's been playing most of his golf on the Corn Ferry. Um, Aaron Badley again. I don't know how he's got. I don't know how he's got the uh, the entry. I don't know how him and Mayhan even qualify for this event. They must still have some sponsor exemptions left, because um, I don't think any of those two have played any inspiring golf over the past well decade. Uh, My <laughs> guess would be maybe, like, maybe five I think, years. I don't think we've heard from Hunter. Duff that chip at the Ryder Cup. That was like some guys just have that one moment that it's like it's the end. Yeah. You know, and I kind of feel like with Mayhan been in. Was that Medina? Uh, no, I think that was uh, Celtic Manor. No, it, it can't be. Glen Eagles was 2014, and Mayhan was having a good season 2012, 2013 time. You're right. It was tw- It was Glen Eagles in 2014. 2014, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it Because that was the, the match coming down the stretch with... Uh, with Graham McDowell, where McDowell made the great putt on No, that, that was Celtic Manor. That was Celtic Manor. That was 2010. That was the year before. That was the Ryder Cup before Medina. To, Glenn Eagles was the Jamie Donaldson stiffed approach. Paul McGinley was the captain. Won it on like the 12th. It was quite a bit of a runaway victory. Hmm. Uh, but anyway. confusing those two. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Uh, I think Donald's. I think Donald's kind of like. He's the one who is who has been the closest to the PGA Tour out of these six guys, <laughs> which is not like a huge compliment, but but among this group, you know, as they say, the one-eyed man is king in the land of blind men. <laughs> Give it the one-eye one-eye Luke. <laughs> uh, group E. This is like almost the inverse of Group D. Maverick McNeely, Ches Reavy, Doc Redman, Patrick Rogers, Brendan Steele, Luke List. Brendan Steele is also one of the five five favorites. I think he was like fourth if you looked at the like odds to win. Uh, Maverick <laughs> McNeely grew up in Northern California. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure like part of I, I'm I don't know if this is true or not, but this might have been like his home golf course growing up. If if it wasn't, it was a golf course he played a ton. I know he grew up in Northern California. Dad is uh, I'm gonna botch his first name, but is like the McNeely of Sun Microsystems. Oh really? And yeah, and so like you know he grew up a rich kid in like Silicon Valley, Northern California. So he would have had access to this golf course a lot, I think. Uh, so he's not a bad choice. Doc Redmond's among favorites too. I think I'm gonna go with Maverick McNeely. It's a little bit of home cooking. You know, he's, he's he's shown some form. Uh, I think my next choice would probably be Doc Redman, but I'm going to go with... Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I think when you said Brandon Steele, my mind went to the most similar person to Brandon, St- to Brandon Steele is Kevin Streelman. I feel like they're the, they're the same golfer. Both been up I there agree. randomly in the last, like, six months, not showing any real flair or getting any real attention, but playing some... Decent, consistent golf, but you don't expect to be in the same spot next year. Um, uh, but having said that, it, it's still you know he's, he's still proven himself over the last few months. I think would be a good shout. Um, and Maverick McNeely has been um, he's been he's been up there on occasion, uh, and I like I like I like his golf. He, he he's quite an exciting kid. Um, and like you say, your your deduction was um, was beautiful. I, he, he probably has played that golf course a lot. Um, I'm torn between Brandon Steele and Maverick McNeely. Hmm. I'm going to go Maverick. Uh, Brandon Steele is uh, good at golf as, he, as he's been played. He doesn't excite me enough. I'm going McNeely. All righty. Group F. This is kind of like a hybrid of group Nick Watney. Nick Watney. Where, where, where have you been, sir? Where have Nick you Watney. been? He, God, he had a great nickname, and now I can't remember what it is. He, I remember when he won the BMW. Oh. I remember his nickname. I don't know if, if this reference is going to land, but they used to call him Rube uh, after the character Ruben in Major League Two, who's like kind of a dunce. Like, you know, he's like the guy that he's the catcher that in this baseball movie that like comes to the mound and set, instead of saying like, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, he'll come out and say like, when the tough get going, the going get tough. And you're oh, like, okay. put your head in your hands. You know, this yeah, guy's an idiot. Yeah, not a great nickname for Nick Watney. Like, kind of, kind of a, like, you know, a little bit out to lunch. This seems like the kind of golf term. So, Nick Watney, Harold Varner, Charles Schwartzel, J.B. Holmes, Stuart Sink, Bill Haas. 
Bill Haas has been MIA since that crazy car crash. JB Holmes has been a lot of MIA. Charles Schwartzel's been a lot of MIA. Nick Watney's been a lot of MIA. Stuart Sink is kind of like aging out. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Harold Varner. Like he's played the he's played the best golf out of this group most recently. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. He's he's, he's actually been up there, Harold Varner, as well, and played some really good golf. I think. I know we're going back to last he had summer. Some tough Sundays, but the US. Yeah, but I, mean, I, th- I think of the US Open where uh, last year where Brooks Koepka nearly bottled it. I'm pretty sure uh, Harold Vaughn was in the final group of that. I think he was. I think he was in the final group on a Sunday a few months ago as well. On the mm-hmm. uh, this side, this side of COVID. Um, and looking yeah, at I that group, I think it's colonial. I want to say. Yeah, he's definitely the most informed modern golfer out of out of that group. I mean, Nick Watney. The only thing I remember of him recently is that he tested positive, positive for COVID. Short Swartzel can tell you his last his last finish. Oh, he, he he wore a silly he wore like a bucket hat one event. But I can't remember when that was. That's as much as I've remembered about him. Um, JB Holmes, he's got a good golf game. Didn't have a clue where it's at. Stuart Sink aging out. Bill Haas aging out. So yeah, Harold Vaughn is the the obvious option for me. Yeah, I think. You know, and I, and I considered leaving him out of this group because I felt like he was the obvious choice. But uh, you know, it's kind of like he's he he's an interesting dichotomy in this group where he's probably the name that the casual fan would know the least out of these six. Like you know, the other guys all kind of gained various amounts of notoriety. Charles Schwartz won a major for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, uh, but I do think he's you know he's the most like current of those players, so I think he's a good pick. Awesome. Uh, Sam, thank you once again, man, for sitting down talking all things golf. Um, Always a pleasure. Really stoked for next week uh, and and Wingfoot. I I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been this excited. And I'll say this as a sneak preview for the viewers here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I watched and I read an interview with the superintendent at Wingfoot. And let me get his direct quote for you here. I hope it's playing tough. I hope it's got something to do with it. He said, basically, the one thing we have left is showcasing Wingfoot, showcasing the golf course. And that's been driving us to make this one of the hardest U.S. Opens <laughs> they will ever play. Plus eight, plus eight, plus eight, plus eight. That would cap a very difficult summer, and my guys know that's what I think. Oh, my God. that That's that's beautiful. Um, I, 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 I can't wait. I, I love how the FedEx Cup's just finished and we're going to major season again. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, Sam, thanks again, man. I'll, uh, I'll catch you next week. Always a pleasure, buddy. Goodbye, man. Bye-bye.